Welcome to Pleasant Grove Church, where Reverend Dr. Classy M. Preston is the pastor. A place where the Word of God impacts and transforms your life. Let's listen to a power-packed message already in progress. yourself. God already knows. Praise the Lord. Thank God for our worship team and thank God for the privilege of worship. 
Let us pray, most holy and everlasting God, we bless your name. We thank you, Father, for the privilege of worship. There are many people around the world, even in this country and even in this town, who do not praise you because they don't have the presence of mind to do so. But on this Independence Day, dear God, we come thanking you. Thank you for freedom, oh God. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for every blessing you have bestowed upon us. And Lord, we give this word to you. I ask for a fresh anointing from your divine hand. And I ask, oh God, that you will bind the enemy and anything that would distract us in the name of Jesus. We speak worship in the name of Jesus. We speak freedom and liberty in the name of Jesus. And Father, when you do all of these things for us, we will forever and forever and forever and ever give you all praise, all honor and glory because you are an awesome God, worthy to be praised. Can I get a witness? Anybody believe God is awesome? I don't, it doesn't sound like you believe God is awesome to me. Anybody in the house believe that God is awesome? Anybody? Hallelujah. 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 I'm going to be reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And in this passage of scripture, the Apostle Paul is talking to the church at Corinth. And it's in verse number 12. I think I'll back up and just read the whole thing. It's got verses actually 7 through 18. It's only church once a week, right? Now, if the ministry that brought death, which is engraved in letters on stone, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of his glory, transitory thought it was. Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious in the ministry that brings righteousness? Hallelujah. For what was if was was transitory, what came with glory? And how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Verse number 12 says, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing remains in the Old Testament read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. And even to this day, Pleasant Grove, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is a spirit. And where there is spirit, Eddie, there is liberty and freedom. Let me say it again. Verse number 17. Now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with every increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. I name this sermon, Is Your Freedom a Myth or Reality? Because this is Independence Day. 
for some. What is a myth? A myth is a story of the gods with a little g, a religious account at the beginning of the world, the creation, fundamental events, the exemplary deeds of the gods as a result of which the world, nature, and culture were created, together with all parts thereof and given their order which stands obtains. A myth expresses and confirms society's religious values and norms. It provides a pattern of behavior to be intimidated, testifies to the efficacy of ritual with its practical ends and established sanctified occult. In other words, a myth is not necessarily true. In other words, a myth is not grounded in facts. And we need to understand also that in colloquial use, the word myth can also be used as a collective hell belief that was no basis in facts. As I tell one of my best friends sometimes, you made that up. Sometimes we make stuff up just to prove that we're right, amen? Sometimes we make stuff up to make ourselves look good. But then reality is the sum or aggregate of all that is real or extended within a system as exposed to that which is only imaginary. Reality is also used to refer to the ontology status of things, indicating their existence. In physical terms, reality is the totality of a system known and unknown. In other words, church, your reality is not necessarily my reality. And reality can be defined in a way that links it to worldviews on parts of things, conceptual frameworks. That's why it's good for us to study the Bible on our own because a lot of times people quote the Bible incorrectly. And if you look at many denominations, most denominations quote the Bible to sustain what it is they want to do. I don't think the Bible said women can't wear lipstick. I don't think the Bible said you couldn't wear a cologne. I don't think the Bible said that women need to sit down and be quiet all the time. But what I'm saying is that reality of the world we live in is that sometimes we change things around to suit our own reality. Can I get an amen? amen. Can I get an amen again? Amen. You ever looked at somebody and go, really? I was there. I didn't hear all of that. I was there. I didn't see all of that. I, have you ever had the experience you're in the same setting, the same room with the same people, and you see different things? And you say, well, what about that? And they go, well, what about that, James Barbie? I didn't see anything at all. Really? July 4, 1776. The unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America. We hold these truths to be self-evident. Number one, that all men are created equal. Number two, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. And that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I must have read that 50 times this week, Brother Lane, because I wanted to make sure I got it right. It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and what they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Are you experiencing life, liberty, and are you free to pursue happiness? 
if you, got, if you have that, you need to say amen. And if you don't, you need to listen up because we need to understand what freedom looks like. You see, freedom has been marginalized in our society. If you watch the news or listen to the dialogue, even in these United States of America, there are many among us who are not free to pursue happiness. Happiness does not look the same to all of us. Freedom does not look the same to all of us. Martin Luther said that either sin is with you, lying on your shoulders, or it is lying on Christ, the Lamb of God. Now it is lying on your back, you are lost, but it is restoring on Christ. You are free, and you will be saved. Nelson Mandela said, when a man is denied the right to live the life he believes in, he has no choice but to become an outlaw. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said that let us not seek to satisfy our truths for thirst for freedom by drinking from the cup of bitterness and hatred. The question I raise today is, are you really free? Do you really exercise the freedom you have in Jesus Christ? John Paul II said that freedom consists not in doing what, was, what we like, but in having the right to do what we ought. I thought that was an excellent explanation. Freedom is about a choice, but it's only Jesus Christ who can help us to make the right choices. Rosa Parks said, I like to be remembered as a person who wanted to be free and wanted others to be free as well. And then Thomas Paine said, those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigue of supporting it. Freedom is not free. And so today, my focus of my sermon is the power and freedom we find in the Spirit. But before I go on, I want to give you a definition of freedom, which I did not write. This was written by John Piper, and it was written from his book, You Will Know the Truth, and the Truth Will Set You Free. And he says that you are really free when you have the desire, the ability, and the opportunity to do what will leave you with no regrets forever. May I say it again? He said you are free, truly free, when you have the desire, the ability, and the opportunity to what will leave you with no regrets forever. I knew you would not let me preach in one hour sermon. So I decided I'd come back to part two of that later on because I know my people and it is Independence Day. Somebody's already clapping their hands, she got it. So what does the Bible say about freedom? What does the Bible say? The Bible says that people have been searching for freedom for thousands of years and the quest for freedom is a theme found throughout the Bible. You remember the story of Adam and Eve, don't you? You went to Sunday school, Bible Institute, right? God had set them up. Everything they needed was there, right? Everything that God, God gave them on a job description. God told them who they were. God told them what they should do. And God told them what they should not do. What happened? They decided to listen to the voice of the enemy. They were seduced by the flesh. And they ended up losing everything. You ever been seduced by the flesh? You ever been seduced by the flesh, meaning you say things that are not true? and you do things that are not right, but what we're learning here is that only the Spirit sets you free. And as long as you are depending on flesh, you are in trouble. 
Secondly, the Bible is God's answer to our loss of freedom has always been Jesus Christ. Where there is no Jesus, there is no freedom. Where there is no Jesus, there is no freedom. Where there is no Jesus, there is no freedom. And that's why the church has to be focused on introducing Jesus to those who are lost because they're in bondage and they are controlled by the flesh unless they know who Jesus is. So Jesus came to free us from death, sin, and anything that enslaves us. And fourthly, the Bible gives us freedom to choose our own path. God has not called us to be robots. God has not called us to be robots. God gives us a free will to make our own choices. We can either choose to love God or we can choose to ignore God. We can choose to do the work of God or we can ignore the commandments of God. Because God wants us to be free, but God does not want us to love him because we want something. God is not a sugar daddy. God is God. God is our heavenly father. God is not the one you go to when you want something. God is the one that you praise all day, every day, for all that he has done, for all that he is doing, all that he will do in the future. Can I get a witness? Oh, Paul said that all things are lawful. This is a quiet church today. It's Independence Day. We're preaching about freedom. Some of you look like you have been arrested. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are helpful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. It's time for us to step up, and it's time for us to get our freedom that only comes through Jesus. Liberty is the condition of being free from imprisonment, slavery, or forced labor. It is also the condition of being free to act, believe, or express oneself as one chooses. And liberation is a kingdom mandate that's given to us through Jesus Christ. The mandate that we have been given is that every day of our lives and every breath we take, we ought to be talking about Jesus and showing the world what it is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. One of the things that I like about the Apostle Paul is that he was totally transparent. If you go over to the book of Romans and you look at chapter 7, and I want you to read this slowly one night all by yourself. Paul says in verse number 7, for what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. And then I do what I will not to do. I agree with the law that is good. But now it is no longer who did it, but sin that dwells in me. Any sin in anybody in here? Any sin at all? Paul said, for I know that in me there is sin and flesh. Nothing could comes out of flesh. For to will is present with me. And then Paul goes on to say, but... The evil I have will not do it, that I practice. He said, now if I do what I will not do, it is no longer I who did it, but the sin that dwells in me. All let the church say amen. amen. 
I find in a law that evil is present with me and the one who wills to do good. Paul is saying that, but I find as long as I operate in the flesh, I do what I don't want to do. I say what I want to want to say. I'm controlled by this flesh, and I need to understand that, that I have no power over the flesh. And what he's saying to the church at Corinth and to the church at Romans, if you want to be free, you got to have the living spirit of God in you so the spirit of God can coach you through life and get you away from the flesh into the spirit. You don't need to go to seminary for that. You don't need to buy books on that. You don't need to go online. Where there is spirit, there is freedom. Where there is spirit, there is freedom. Where there is spirit, there is freedom. And what Paul is saying is that we all need to look at ourselves and ask ourselves, are we free in the spirit? It's nothing like a personal coach. You look at something you're not supposed to have. The inner voice says, mm-mm. You look again. The inner voice said, I told you that one time. Don't go over there. The inner voice coaches you out of stuff you shouldn't be around anyway. And then there are times when we find ourselves in these tough situations. And that's when we begin to call on the name of Jesus. Paul said, now the Lord is the spirit, and where there is spirit of the Lord, there is liberty. How many of us say that we're disciples of Jesus Christ? Yes, we're in bondage. And you know, freedom means that you're free to be who God created you to be at all times. But sometimes we are in slavery ourselves. Dead is slavery. Overcommitting, slavery. Control issues, slavery. Everything has to be perfect, slavery. I'm not going over there because I need to get this done. My grass needs to be greener, slavery. I need to paint my house, but I can only touch it up on Sunday mornings and Saturday night. I can only do the laundry on Sunday because every other day is full. You see, the flesh will talk you into anything. And what was happening at the church of Corinth and what Paul was saying to them is that the law has been overcome by Jesus Christ. And Jesus came to fulfill the law, but the Jews who left Jerusalem wanted to come over to Corinth, and they were teaching the theology of the Old Testament, and he was trying to get them to see that Jesus has come and freed us from the bondage of slavery. And what the Jews were trying to do was say, no, you're not as free as you think you are, that there is still a law that you must overcome. And he was saying to them, no, you do not. I have already gone to the cross for you. I have already died for you. I got up for you. So there's no need for you to live in bondage how many of us are living in bondage right now how many of us are willing to call our demons demons some of us are enslaved to the cars we drive some of us are enslaved by our possessions our families our vacation homes we have to all ask ourselves is Jesus truly a priority in my life there's a difference between a religion of freedom through the spirit and religion of bondage through the law are you here because you want to be here? Or are you here because the pastor begged you to be here? Are you here because you feel guilty? Or are you here because you truly want to worship Jesus Christ? Are you here 
because you have a testimony of what God can do? Or are you here because you just got to show up, get this two hours out of the way so that you can move on with your life? See, freedom means that I do what the Spirit tells me to do. Freedom means that I speak when God tells me to do. Freedom means that I shut up when God tells me to. And freedom means that this is not about me, but it's all about giving glory to God. It's too late in the evening. Old folks used to sing, and the sun's going down. It's time for us to get our theology right. And what happened here is Paul says to the church at Corinth, I see all of you have your mask on, praise the Lord. But Paul was saying that there is a veil that has to be removed. And it's not a mask. We can't even get that right in our country. But a mask only covers the nose and the mouth, right? But the veil covers everything. But you see, what happens, Bridget, is Christ removes the veil, then you don't have to make excuses for what's under the veil. Because when the Lord reveals what's under the veil, that God will wipe it out and clean you up, and nobody would ever know all of your secrets. Because that's the kind of God that we serve. And more people would come and serve God if they realize that God is good at keeping secrets. Can I get a witness? Is God good by not telling your bad stuff? You see, the Jews wanted to say there's the law. People always want to remind us, even in our conversations today, of the color of our skin and what that means. You see, that's a mask. Don't mask racism and hatred and the things you want to say, because according to this Bible, I was created by God, and I am equal to everybody else because God gave me life. So I don't have to justify who I am from veil to face to face. It's time for us to take the veils off. It's time for us to get real. It's time for us to stop begging the church to go feed hungry people. It's time for us to get evangelism right. It's time for us to have somebody fired up with the spirit, ready to go. It's time for us to be excited that our God saves souls. It's time for us to realize that we are here because of the blessings and the glory of God. It's time for us to take the veil off and wash our own faces. It's time for us to take the veil off and look at the mirror, as Danny said last week, for ourselves. It's time for us to dry up the same excuses we have used year after year after year after year. It's time for us to be like Jesus. It's time for us to worship in freedom. It's time for us to witness in freedom. Because the Bible says that the trappings of religion and in knowing the love, joy, and freedom that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Coming to church does not mean you're saved. Singing in the praise team does not mean you know Jesus. Every preacher who preaches does not necessarily have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And everybody who shows up to play the instrument not necessarily connected to Jesus. There have been times even in the history of our church, we had demons over here trying to play the piano and lead us in worship. And I had to be bold enough to walk over and say, you fired in the name of Jesus, because that is not godly. 
We need to understand God doesn't need your hour and a half on Sunday morning. God needs your life so this dark world we live in will be changed because people will know, I am free in Jesus. I'm free in Christ Jesus. You can't send me back anywhere because God brought me out. When Jesus came, Jesus gave me the blessing of freedom. And through Jesus, the, bed, the veil is removed. The veil of arrogance, bitterness, cruelty, darkness, envy, greed. How many of us, we want everything we see, whether we need it or not. How many of us are jealous of other people who have worked hard for their accomplishments? How many of us are indifferent when it comes to the Lord, but when it comes to your house, you have specifications. But when it comes to the Lord's house, anything will go. You see, once Jesus reveals and takes the veil off, you'll stop lying. You will stop sinning. You will be able to overcome temptation. You will be able to speak the word of truth. You will be able to say, yes, I know the Lord. God sent all of us for this appointed time. That's what the, uh, the Isaiah passage is saying, is the Lord, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Is it on you? Ask yourself, is the spirit on you? Are you feeling free or are you still bound? And then the prophet says, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. That's your assignment. That's our assignment, to proclaim good news to the new. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. We need to stop breaking hearts, and we need to start doing heart surgery, and we need to help heal people who have been broken by the world, broken by the church, broken because they don't understand who they are in Jesus Christ. Oh, I wish I had an Independence Day crowd. I know you're going to the parade, and I know you're going to see some fireworks tonight, but I'm here to tell you if you have no Jesus, you have no fireworks. If you have no Jesus, you have no power. If you have no Jesus, there is nothing in you to give. If you have no Jesus, there is no fire in your soul. Oh, but once you have Jesus, something happens deep down on the inside. And you cannot help yourself. You get up in the morning praising the Lord. Thank you, God. Heavenly Father, I thank you. So if you want some Holy Ghost fire, if you want to feel some fireworks in your life, then I offer you Jesus. If you're tired of the same old thing over and over and over again, let Jesus put some spark in your life. And let Jesus light up your world with the spirit of the living God. And you will be singing forever and ever and ever. Oh, how I love Jesus. Amen. Doors of the church are open. Amen. If you want that veil to be removed, this is your time. All it takes is just the one time to say, yes, Lord, I want to be changed. It doesn't take much to turn your life over to our Lord and Savior. If you admit that you are a sinner, yes, yes. if you believe that he died on the cross for your sins, Confess that he's Lord of all. That's all it takes to say, 
I give and surrender myself and my will to you. So this is a time for someone right now to take that step. Take that step to come forward and say, Lord, I want to be renewed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. See, someone made that decision today. It's not that hard. Because if you think about the sacrifices that he's made for you, you want to say, Lord, today is my day. All you mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, all you have to say is yes. And someone will be able to walk with you on your new Christian journey. Yes, it was the blood that saved us. It was his blood that gave us a new start in him. And guess what? It will never lose its power. Let's sing that one more time. Oh, the blood. Blood of who? Thank you again.